Hello friends, this is Pastor Christopher Allen at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household are doing well and you are blessed. We are on the subject of the call of God and we are talking about the ministry of the teacher and I've been sharing with you uh, scriptures, uh, you know, uh, pertaining to this subject and I'm going to continue where I left off and uh, what I want to start you uh, start with is James 3 verse 1. We're talking about the ministry of the teacher. Uh, and it says that James 3 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. This is a very interesting scripture. Uh, James was the brother of our Lord Jesus and he was an apostle and he was saying that, hey, before you want to be a teacher, because I remember when I went to Rama, we had a teacher's class and everybody wanted to be a teacher. They wanted to travel and teach and that was the thing to do. And, and, and the thing is that uh, the Bible does say here, right here, that if you just just think of it, if you want to be a teacher, because if you are going to teach, you'll be judged with greater strictness. In other words, uh, that you'll be judged by the things that you teach to others. Because you remember how Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and one of the things they used to do was they used to teach others, but they wouldn't practice what they taught themselves. And he said, warned to you Pharisees, you put heavy burdens on on people's backs and yet you don't lift a finger to help them. So uh, uh, the Pharisees used to preach, they were very legalistic. They used to preach the law, but they never helped the people uh, lift that burden. And also they used to preach the law, but they didn't live it themselves. They just <coughs> taught it to others. So Jesus saw the hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocrite I'm sorry, he saw the the word is hypocrisy. He saw the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and that really upset him. And so that's why Paul is, is telling us, listen, if you're going to teach, don't be a hypocrite. Live what you teach. So think twice because uh, you'll be judged by a higher standard. And you know, in the world, when often I'm uh, witnessing to people, I hear, I see interesting responses. I remember many, many years ago, I was in a plane and I was sitting next to a businessman. I was flying to South America and I tried to witness to him. And then he began to talk to me about uh, some of these televangelists who had fallen into sin, uh, into sexual sin and had been caught. And, and he brought them up. I said, well, uh, the thing is that all people sin. Uh, people of all religions sin and people of all professions sin. So... I said, then why do you get so upset when it's a, a preacher of the word of God who sins, but uh, movie stars and other people sin all the time and that doesn't upset you. And he said something that really made me think and I didn't have an answer to. He said to me, it is because he said, because you people, uh, you teach morals to us. And because you are the one teaching morals to us, you are judged by a higher standard. He said, you must understand this because you teach us how to live. And so, uh, and, and he says that then, uh, that's why you are judged by a higher standard. And you know, I never heard anyone say that before. So when I came back home, I, I really 
pondered a lot on this thing that he said. And I said, Lord, before I say anything else to anybody else, I must straighten out my own life and make sure that I have embraced the calling to be a preacher of the word of God. And I have to make sure that I hold myself to a high standard and not be lax in the sense that I preach one thing and live another thing. And, uh, but have I ever made mistakes? Oh yeah, many, not one, but many times, but each time I have been very, very careful to come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness and make things right. But my goal is to 100% live what I preach. So that's what he's saying, that you shouldn't all be teachers because just think of this that if you want to be a teacher, you'll be judged by a higher standard. So this is something for us to remember and something to strive after, that God wants us to live by a higher standard, the standard of the word that we preach. And um, and not just say, hide behind things like grace, you know, oh, we are under grace. I know we are under grace, but because we teach the word to others, we are held to a higher standard and just that's just the way it is okay it says in second timothy chapter 2 verse 15 it says do your best to present yourself to god as one approved <coughs> i'm sorry a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of god another translation says study to uh, uh, present yourself as one approved to God. But it's, what it means is that you do your best to present yourself to God as one who is approved. A worker who has no need to be shamed, ashamed, rightly dividing or rightly handling the word of truth. So we who teach and preach the word of God, it is so important that we ha we teach the word of God with wisdom. We teach it correctly and not just speak off out of the seat of our pants. So as to say, we so we don't fly by the seat of our pants, you know. But we it's so important to, especially if you're a teacher, if you're a young teacher, preacher of the word of God, that you spend time in study study and cross-reference things and read books and learn and listen to those who know more than you and learn to pre rightly dividing the word of God means teach the full counsel of the word of God and teach the word of God in balance and that that can mean things like you know some people for example, they, they get carried away with prosperity and that's all they preach about. And they preach prosperity everywhere they go. When soon, you know what happens? When you teach a subject and you begin to emphasize that subject at the, uh, at the expense of other subjects in the Bible that are equally important, or you can begin to emphasize certain truths at the expense of other truths, uh, you can get off. And let me just say this, I'll be very blatant, I mean, very straightforward in saying this, that most heresies, most heresies are not born out of somebody had a crazy revelation and then he begins to preach it. Now that does happen. People do get crazy revelations that they begin to preach, but most heresies, the majority of them, don't come out of people preaching about their goofy revelations, but they come about because they find one truth in the Bible and they don't stop to study what the Bible says, uh, you know, other things about that subject, but they stay with that one thing and they preach it and preach it and preach it. So this partial truth 
that they know for them constitutes total truth. So they, they, they ignore other scriptures that talk about the subject and sometimes say other things. And so what happens is that whenever you begin to do that, you run with one thing and you begin to emphasize certain truths at the expense of other truths, that is when heresies and errors are born. That is why they have to be careful because a person who, who studies the Word of God, who's a student of the Word of God. He wants to rightly divide the Word of Truth and bring the Word of Truth, uh, you know, the full counsel of the Word of God. So, uh, so even though you feel like there's a couple of subjects God has put in your heart to teach, for your own sake, it is important that you have a pretty broad and good and strong grasp of the Word of God that you study and study properly uh, before you teach. Now, one rule you have to remember that when you, when you teach a subject, for example, if you teach about prosperity, a lot of people like to teach on prosperity and healing, seems to be a favorite subject for people. So when you teach prosperity and you teach about giving and receiving and you, you know, God wants to bless you and all that. And then, you, but there are other scriptures that talk about self-denial. Other scriptures that talk about living lives of sacrifice and self-denial and, 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 and scriptures that tell us, to, that actually warn us from, for greed, that warn us to, uh, of the pursuit of wealth. You know, you begin to ignore those things and you teach this stuff and you'll become a lot of today's prosperity preachers whose message has, although they have elements of truth in what they teach, it has become a message of greed. It's self-centered. So don't end up there, but, but preach the full counsel of the Word of God. Because when you study the full counsel of the Word of God and you see the completeness, it's beautiful because here you see how God wants to bless us financially, but then you also see how God wants us to live lives of sacrifice and self-denial and, 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 and lives where we, where we help the poor and we, you know, where, where, where we uh, give to missions and use the money for, uh, to bless others, to help others. And not that we give money to get the hundredfold return. The hundredfold return is not the purpose of giving. That is the result of giving. But the, the, the purpose of giving is always obedience and love for God. And, you know, so we have to find that balance in our own lives through the study of the scripture before we teach it. So that is why it is important that you study to present yourself unto God uh, as a worker who is not ashamed because he's rightly and, you know, dividing the word of truth in balance, maintaining proper scriptural balance. Okay, then 2 Timothy 3.16 says, <coughs> it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof. Reproof means to rebuke and for correction and for training in righteousness. So the first thing it says that all scripture is of God. So, uh, you know, you're teaching about prosperity, about wealth, all those wonderful things. And then suddenly the scripture pops up that tells us, uh, you know, that uh, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who desires to be rich shall not be innocent. Uh, you know, and then you say, oh my goodness, here says God is saying that 
uh, that a desire to be rich is wrong and then but it goes against your theology so what happens is that you ignore the scripture because this is of lesser importance and you only embrace those scriptures that defend your position don't do that don't do that because every scripture is of god every verse in the bible should speak to us so all scripture is breathed out by god and it is profitable it's good for us for teaching and for rebuking for correcting us and for training us in righteousness now uh, matthew 5:19 therefore whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven so that means that uh, being selective with the scriptures that you know there there are certain scriptures i like more than others because they appeal to me and they appeal to my desires and my flesh or whatever and i like those scriptures those are the bless me scriptures but those other scriptures <coughs> you know uh, that kind of don't tickle me but make me uncomfortable i cannot put them aside and and we say those scriptures are not that important like some people some grace preachers are saying um, you know oh no no this scripture is not of god this was written for the gnostics listen don't say that because then you are in error if you say uh, that uh, the only those scriptures are of god which fit my theology my doctrine and those scriptures that do not fit my theology i can just consign them to the set of scripture that well these are not for christians but these are for gnostics and and that is wrong because uh, when 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 paul or john or whoever writes a letter that letter is to the church you read the preamble to the letter it always says paul you know speaking to the saints in such and such place the whole letter is for the believers it is not for the gnostics so don't make things up like that to Uh, uh you know that you consign certain scriptures to the, to the uh to the trash bin because they don't fit your theology and and it is a dangerous thing to do that so anyway then in Matthew 28 20 this is part of the great commission it says teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you and behold i am with you always to the end of the age so jesus has told us this is a part of making disciples where we have to teach them and not to teach them teach them something but we have to teach them all things everything that jesus has commanded us and then he says i'm with you always first corinthians 12:28 it says <clears throat> and god has appointed in the church first apostles second prophets third teachers then miracles then gifts of healing helping administrating various kinds of tongues so god has appointed people in the church in the church to be teachers and when god appoints teachers we should be listen to them self appointed teachers don't listen to them but god appointed teachers listen to them so how do you know someone is a god appointed teacher well he's a god appointed teacher when other men and women of god who are used by god who have credible ministries recognize these people and say this is a teacher of the word of god and you know over my over the years i have met lots of teachers and uh, uh, you know i i met those who 
uh, are really, and there are some that are really good and some, you know, I wouldn't give much credence to them. But, you know, I've got a friend in Sweden, Johnny Foglander. He's a teacher to his fingertips. When I know the guy for like 40 years and a brilliant teacher of the word of God. And, and, and so, and he really, you know, he, when, when you sit in his uh, lessons, it's like he's breaking the bread of life. That's why he breaks the bread of life. So Johnny Foglander, he takes the word and he teaches the word and he's a brilliant teacher. And we all know he's not a pastor. He's not an evangelist. He's not a prophet. He's not an apostle but he is a teacher. So when you have someone like that who's gifted by God to break the bread of life and to teach us, to feed us, we should take heed and we should take notice and give heed to those men and women because they have something to say. Amen. Uh, another teacher, well, that was a Swedish example, Tony Cook, my friend Tony Cook. He's a teacher to his fingertips when he opens his mouth wisdom comes out. So you should listen to what he has to say. When he writes a book, you should buy the book and read it. You know, so there are men like that who are anointed by God to teach. And when they teach, it builds people up. So you should be listening to these teachers that God has set in the body of Christ. Amen. And then it says here uh, in Colossians 3.16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing. The word admonish means to warn or counsel in a mild manner. Admonish means, it doesn't mean to rebuke, but it means to counsel and to warn, uh, to point people in the, <coughs> people who are going a bit off, point them in the right direction, but do it in a mild manner. So, let the word of Christ dwell in me, you richly. Firstly, we should have the word dwelling in us richly. And then it says, once that happens, you can teach and you can warn one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2. Now this is good. This is a powerful verse. All speaks to his spiritual son, Timothy. He says, and what you have heard of me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Paul is writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. And what he's saying, he's saying that the word that you have heard from me, I want you to teach that word to others who in their turn can teach others. So he's Paul is thinking <coughs> four generations, himself, Timothy, and those who Timothy preaches to, and those, the fourth generation is those who those people teach who Timothy has taught. So he, you know, what Paul is doing is here is he's making sure that sound biblical teaching and doctrine and the word of God is passed down and we need to do that because especially we are living in an age in an age when people 
are not very strong in doctrine, especially these days. Doctrine is not important for many people. You know what is important? You come to church, you have the worship experience. You know, like I go to some churches where they sing longer than they let me preach. And they go all this worship and all these people, you know, the whole thing is designed to give people a wonderful emotional experience, but that cannot build strong men and women of God. They can have an emotional experience, but that cannot build strong men and women of God. And then they say, oh, you have 25 minutes to preach. I said, brother, I'm Pentecostal. It takes me 45 minutes just to get warmed up. You know, what can I get? You see, you cannot build strong men of faith by giving them fast food every Sunday morning. You can't. Pastors, you must teach and preach the word of God. I don't care how old fashioned it is, but teach and preach the word of God. That is the main part of the Sunday morning. Teach the word of God. So it says that uh, we have to uh, you know, we have to teach others. And that's not just teaching in the church, but discipling, teaching. That means you have people around you and you pour your life into them and pour, <coughs> pour the word that God has taught you into them so that they can pass it on to the next generation and who can pass it on to others. That is so, so important these days. So remember that. That is true discipleship. That is passing on the word of God, passing on sound doctrine. So it goes one, two, three, four generations from us. Then 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 to 13, it says, These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Then it says, till I come, give attendance to reading, reading of the scriptures. That means put an emphasis on reading the scriptures to exhortation. To exhort means to loudly encourage people to, to do something for God. That's what exhortation means. Exhortation means when you teach them, but you teach them loudly, enthusiastic, that your teaching actually spurs them to do something for God. So that is exhortation and to doctrine. <coughs> doctrine is the set of core beliefs that we have from the scripture. So what Paul is saying to Timothy, this is what you should do. Firstly, you should encourage the reading of the scriptures. Pastors, these days, a lot of people don't read their Bibles at home. We have to encourage people to read their Bibles. Tell those young people in your church and tell the families in your church that they must read the Bible. They must rediscover the lost art of reading the scriptures, studying the scriptures. And so give attendance to the reading of the Bible. There's nothing in this world that will ever replace the reading of the word of God. So give attendance to reading and in churches also. We should read the Bible instead of just throwing a scripture on the overhead. We should read the Bible. It's good, Pastor, that we read the scripture. So read the Bible, then you exhort and encourage people to, <coughs> it's a cold air, I'm sorry, to rise up and do something for God. Exhort people to rise up and to do something for God. And then doctrine, give people good uh, an understanding of core doctrines 
core doctrines and you know like in the assemblies of God we've got 16 fundamental truths and those are our doctrines and each one of those fundamental truths has scriptures with it and 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 it's good we talk about those things not as a set of doctrines but the what is contained in these doctrines that we believe in the infallibility of the scripture that this bible that is the word of God it's infallible it's of God. There's nothing in it that can be refuted. Secondly, believe in healing and the atonement, you know, which is article number 12. So we go through all the different articles and we, uh, you know, so we, those are our doctrines. Those are our core values. That is what we believe. That's what the Bible teaches. It's good that people have that in their hearts. Then 2 Timothy 2.24, it says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. So the servant of the Lord shouldn't be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. You know what? Listen, let me just say this. I know some of you will be offended, but these days when I get on Facebook and I see pastors just provoking people and just talking political, uh, their political stance, and, and you can see them, you know, just provoking people who don't have the same political uh, affiliation as them. Don't do that. Don't provoke quarrels. Look for things that united, unite us, not that pe things that divide us. Everybody thinks differently. And they're not wrong just because they don't think like you. Everyone has a different place. And sometimes, even if you don't agree with what people believe, you just have to respect them. You have to love them. And don't look for quarrels. Don't look to just, you know, great on people's nerves. But, but be kind to everyone and teach and preach the word. And, and, and you know, and let them, uh, let them um, grow strong and, and do that. So anyway, so uh, tomorrow we will continue on uh, another part of this because there's another part of this which is basically uh, one of the things that a Bible teacher has to do, one who teaches the word has to do, is to bring correction and to refute heresy. So we're, go we're going to continue with that tomorrow and then we'll end this segment about the ministry of the teacher. So, uh, and then actually tomorrow, I believe we are going to conclude the subject. And then after that, I'm going to go to the next subject and I'll talk about that tomorrow. But let's pray, pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for your wonderful, your mighty hand upon their lives. Use them mightily for your glory. Bless them, Father. Put your hand upon them. I thank you, Father. For all your love and goodness to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you and stay safe and stay strong. Stay in the word of God. Stay in prayer. And I'll be seeing you tomorrow. God bless you.